Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Friday? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. I'm pretty sure you know what we're going to talk about today. Ole Miss is headed to the National Championship Series, the College World Series final, after what was a legendary performance from Dylan DeLucia. Uh, we did our best to describe it. I talked to Chase uh, Parham. I grabbed Colin Brister for a bit, who was on site at the game. I snagged him for 15, 20 minutes or so before he went and uh, carried on with his dinner and celebration plans. We did our best to describe what Delusia did yesterday, but it really is difficult to put into words. Um, I've got a story up about it. Uh, more so thoughts than a story. It kind of goes narrative-wise at rippyrides.substack.com uh, if you want to check that out. But Today's pod will probably be a reflection of how my day went yesterday. I'm going to answer a couple questions off the top that you guys had. Um, but I pulled Colin in for about 20 minutes right after I got off the phone with Neil from Hand Raise Guys postgame, which was um, probably 45 seconds after I walked in the door from work. So if this part of the pod sounds a little bit like my brain is scrambled and I'm a little more spacey than I usually am, uh, that's because that's the case. Um, didn't have much time to do any uh, – do the normal prep that I do before the podcast uh, just because Dylan DeLucia doing what he did in two hours was not friendly on all the dudes out there with desk jobs. So <laughs> was in a little bit of a scramble mode, but it's a good show. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, Hey, Ole Miss is playing for a national title. Maybe you're listening to this on the way to Omaha. Hope so. Um, I'm headed there late Friday night and uh, we'll be there for the games this weekend. So looking forward to that. Anyway, let's get to the show. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you here. We have a new sponsor joining the Rippy Rights podcast family. It is MIMS Insurance. Matt MIMS is an insurance, independent insurance agent in Oxford. Ole Miss guy, longtime friend of mine. He wants to help out our listeners find the best insurance rate. Look, everything is expensive right now. Gas prices are rising. Groceries are are expensive. Everything's expensive right now for a myriad of different reasons. When it comes to insurance, you need to save money. Why spend extra when you're kind of wading into a field? Maybe you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where to look. Matt Mims is here to help you find the best insurance rate possible. Just give him a call at 601-218-7854. He will shop your insurance rate or quote through two 10 different major insurance companies and find you the best deal he just wants to help you find save as much money as possible you really can't lose calling matt mims and mims insurance i wouldn't refer you to people that i don't trust mims is a great guy he's an old miss god he is a buddy of mine and he will absolutely help keep money in your pocket so do you have a boat home and auto sick Sick brag, you have a boat, it's home and auto, whatever it is, whatever you need insured, he is going to find it for you and he is going to help you find the best rate possible. And he's based there in Oxford, but he'll hit you Meridian, Vicksburg, Brandon, Ocean Springs, everywhere in between, all over Mississippi. So finding a good insurance rate can be pretty overwhelming. All you got to do is call Matt Mims at 601-218-7854. That is his personal cell phone number. Not going to go to a voicemail, not going to get anything. He's going to answer and he's going to help you out. Tell him I sent you. He'll get you hooked up. He wants to keep money in your pocket and let him handle the hard part for you. All you have to do is call him and save. Happy to have Mims and Mims Insurance and Matt Mims on board the Rippy Rights Podcast family. Again, check him out there. That number is 601-218-7854. Need anything insured, he'll get you hooked up. I'm really pumped to have Mims on board. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, 
Glad you asked. So the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Need to check these guys out. Skybox has their College World Series package on the site right now. Maybe you're listening as the uh, early games have gotten unfolded on Friday. Don't miss out. Hit their College World Series package. They're crushing it in NASCAR right now. Football season is just around the corner. Got some baseball plays for you as well. Go online. If you're into gambling, you need to use Skybox Sports Picks. You don't want the bookie texting you on Sunday night, Monday morning, asking you to square up, adding to your scaries. You want to be texting the bookie, asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Guess who's going to help you do that more often than your own brain and anyone else in the industry? That's right, Skybox Sports Picks. When you do business with Skybox, it's an investment. You're going to make your money back and then some. They're going to have a picks package to fit your preferred sport and your preferred price range. You can try it for a month, try it for a week, try it for a day. I'd recommend just getting on the uh, Skybox all-year, all-access pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some because, again, Skybox is an investment. But check them out. Go find the picks package to hit, uh, that fits your price range. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. Maybe get some merch too, but uh, that promo code will get you 20% off any purchase. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right, let's take your questions real quick at the top. I solicited questions on Twitter yesterday, uh, mostly because I didn't have any sort of concrete plan for the podcast. Um, This all kind of came together pretty quickly. So we'll take a few of these questions before we get to Colin Brister. I imagine this has a lot to do with Dylan DeLucia and what it looks like going forward pitching-wise. Anyway, uh, impressive out of the listeners. I, I can't find one question about Arch's commitment. That's Dylan DeLucia. Look, that may be the most impressive aspect of what he did yesterday. Zero Arch Manning questions in this uh, in this mailbag. All right, let's see. You know what? Screw I right, Dalm Chester leading off with the questions here. You know what? Screw it. That are y'all buying a championship ring after Ole Miss wins it all? Uh, oh, your first question was: Are Colin and I getting tattoos? Uh, I'm not an ink guy. I hate needles. Um, I will not be getting a tattoo. Um, I'll probably not be getting a championship ring because uh, I didn't do anything. I just follow the team. Um, but uh, I mean, it's not the worst idea in the world if somebody wants to. If somebody gets a tattoo and you send it to me, I, I will advertise the hell out of that if you want that. Uh, we might even get you on the, to tell the story of how the tattoo came to be um, if it's remotely appropriate. So uh, we got any tattoo guys out there? If Ole Miss wins, uh, checking in, please, uh, please let us know uh, what the tattoo was and where you got it. Well, actually, that last part, basically, if it, if it, depending on where it is, please let us know where you got it. Anyway, uh, no, but no tattoos or rings for me. Taylor Parks stopping by here. Love the content. Hypothetical. How many base runners before Loosh gets pulled in the eighth or ninth? And why Why did I want Mallett to touch the ball rather than Brandon Johnson? Great question. So uh, I wrote about this a little bit last night in that story I did about Belusha um, as I record this piece of the podcast on Friday morning. Um, I think he was one batter, base runner away um, for the eighth and the ninth inning. I, I I originally said, I think when we were talking with Colin, that I think he knew that, but I actually don't think that was the case after listening to him talk in the postgame. I think he was having some sort of out-of-body experience. I mean, he talked about how he just saw the zeros up on the board and thought, well, I guess I might as well finish this thing. Um, So I don't think he necessarily knew, but I do think he was one pitch away from getting pulled there. Um, And I think he was probably somewhat cognizant of that, even if he was, uh, like, even if it wasn't necessarily on the forefront of his mind and driving him to, you know, not allow a base runner. Um, but I, I do think he was one base runner away for the final two innings. 
And your second question was, why did I want Mallett to touch the ball rather than Brandon Johnson? Josh Mallett has been really, really good, and he hasn't had to use the fastball to do it. And Arkansas was struggling to pick up on Delucia's slider. They didn't really have much success with the two-seamer either. And so Mallett throws three pitches for strikes, and that changeup and that breaking ball that he throws is really, really damn good. And, you know, I, I imagine if you're an Ole Miss fan out there, you probably trust both of them, but I get exactly what you mean. Um, Josh Mallett, I mean, he's allowed – and he's allowed a run in two of his 16 outings this year. If I have my math right, it was two and 14 and he hasn't allowed a run since. So like, why wouldn't you want him out there? So I, I think the, the bold Miss bullpen has been so good. I don't think it's, it's your typical Miss bullpen where you want that, want to get the baseball to that horse on the back end and just let him take care of the rest. Now that is the goal ultimately to get the game, to get the baseball to Brandon Johnson at the end of the game. Don't get me wrong. I just think there's more options that you trust this year. I think that's why you probably felt that. David Collier stopping by. What's his pulse? My watch told me I was at 131 in the seventh. Oh, so that was, uh, that was in response to me saying I grabbed Colin for 20 minutes to check his pulse. I don't know what it was. Um, he seen it like in a pretty jovial mood. I don't know what it was uh, during the game. I'm also not, a uh, cardiologist, uh, really, or any sort of doctor. I just pretended to be one on radio for a while. Um, so I don't know what 131 means. That seems high, um, you know, just based off your typical elementary test score uh, from zero to 100. I usually fell close to the uh, zero than 100, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know if 131's high. That seems high. Uh, hopefully you're still with us to uh, listen to this pod because we could use the listens. But uh, Colin, uh, probably pretty low by the time we recorded it. Um, but was pretty high in the, uh, in the moment, I had to imagine. Um, Ed Richtofen? I hope I said that right. Actually, I don't care. Um, why pinch hit Van Cleveland game two could have had Harris bat the ninth? Uh, I talked about this a little bit with Neil on the postgame show on Wednesday. I get it. I probably would have let Calvin Harris hit. But with the way Taylor and the way uh, – not Morris. What's the kid's name that started for uh, – Hagen Smith was throwing for Arkansas on Wednesday and the way that slider was coming in on left or that slider was, uh, yeah, coming in on left-handed hitters. It was just really on, or going away from left-handed hitters. I should say it was so hard for them to pick up and so hard for them to hit. Ole Miss was doing nothing with it at that point. And I, I think that was maybe Mike's first, I won't call it a panic move because that's a little bit too strong, but a pressing type move, forcing the issue type of move uh, instead of kind of letting the game come naturally from a managerial perspective of this postseason. I don't think he could really stomach watching another left-hander flail at a couple sliders and then go sit down. And so I think he went with Ben Van Cleve because Van Cleve is a right-handed hitter who doesn't strike out very often, puts the ball in play more often than not, and just to try something different. I didn't, I didn't think it was some egregious crime to baseball that Mike Bianco did that. Um, I, I understood the thought process behind it, despite not necessarily disagreeing with it, or not necessarily agreeing with it, if that makes sense. Um, but I didn't hate the thought process. And look, the results were bad, right? I mean, uh, he got rolled up in a sword, very non-competitive at bat. But I don't think, just because the result was bad, I don't think it was a terrible idea in theory, despite on the surface it also looking like you took the bat out of one of your hottest hitters' hands. I get it all around, man. Um, but, you know, worked out. Ole Miss is playing for a national title. Tyler Keith, do you pitch Johnny Holstaff game one, Elliott game two, and Delusia game three if needed? I think the real question is the first two pieces of your question. What you're going to have to go, it's not even necessarily a Johnny Holstaff. You're going to have to address the third starter thing. Um, and you're clearly not going to get as much length as, or probably aren't going to get as much length as Hunter Elliott and Dylan Delucia would give you 
um, on full rest when you go to that third starter. And Ole Miss has already passed that test one time, right? Uh, you know, for given the stage and for what what he is, John Gaddis was terrific for Ole Miss on Wednesday night. I mean, if you'd ask for five innings of two-run ball on a Wednesday night uh, when you're going to your third starter, really, for the first time in the tournament, I get Derek Diamond did pitch that regional final, but that game quickly devolved into a farce. Um, they would have taken it every single time. And so that's probably that was kind of part of what the – what felt like a gut punch for Ole Miss in that three to two loss Wednesday. And so now they're going to have to go find another one. Cause I don't think you can rely on John Gaddis on short rest. Even if you go Sunday and it's a Wednesday to Sunday thing, I don't think Mike Bianco is going to test it. Maybe I'm wrong in that. That's just a complete guess, but you're going to have to find that again. And so do you want to do that in game one or game two? Uh, Oklahoma's got a really good lefty and Jake Bennett going in game one. Uh, got kind of a hammer of a slider. He's going to be a really good left-handed pitcher that fits the profile of a guy that's um, given Ole Miss trouble this year. So do you do that in game one and just go Johnny Holstavid and just make sure Hunter Elliott wins his outing against um, Cade Horton, uh, Oklahoma's number two starter, who's still a pretty good pitcher in his own right, but definitely a little more gettable than Jake Bennett has been. Um, or do you let best on best? Do you go Hunter Elliott on Bennett and then kind of third starter slash Johnny Holstaff, a little more bullpen help in game two against the lesser potent of the two pitchers, at least on paper in Horton. It's a really fascinating dynamic, but at the end of the day, the way I look at it is Ole Miss is going to have to win Hunter Elliott's outing if they want to have any prayer of winning this national championship series. I don't know what you're going to get out of Delusia. If any, look, I, I get he's off a superhuman performance, but he also threw 113 pitches and will be coming back on three days rest on Monday. Um, so I don't know what you're going to get from him. So you're going to have to win Hunter Elliott's outing. And I could see it either way, right? If you, if you go with the third starter approach in game one and you somehow beat Bennett, oh, buddy, you've got Hunter Elliott going in game two with the national title on the line with Delusia behind him. You are uh, sitting pretty, uh, as the kids say. I, I don't know. I don't know what you do. It's going to be a fascinating thing that may be answered by the time a lot of you listen to this podcast. I don't know when they're going to announce it, but – I don't think there's a wrong decision either way. I think it's just going to come down to Mike looking at more data than any of us have and making a decision based off of that. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but it's going to be fascinating for sure. Daniel Hill, does this exercise all we are Ole Miss moments involving Arkansas? Man, I guess to some degree, these teams played six really close games this year. They were pretty evenly matched. I just never bought into the whole we are Ole Miss thing. After Wednesday night, Ole Miss didn't necessarily choke that game away. Yes, the ninth inning was really bad. And, yes, they fumbled that opportunity. And it kind of – I imagine it kind of ruffled feathers from an Ole Miss fandom standpoint of uh, from the sense that uh, it kind of brought back uh, what this team – what the worst version of this team looked like in terms of situational hitting. But I just thought on Wednesday they kind of lost a baseball game where Arkansas was just slightly better than they were. And so I didn't think, particularly with Delucia on the mound, and I wrote about this in that story that's posted – about Delucia, I just didn't think he was going to allow them to come out flat or tight or whatever adjective you want to use. And so does it ex exercise that? I think that's more of a fan thing than a player thing. Look at how these guys act. They don't give a shit. Um, they were just out there having fun playing baseball, and now they're going to play for a national title. So I think that's more of a fan thing. And so, sure, I could, I'll just go ahead and answer yes. That, that works. I've never really bought into it, but I get where you're coming from. Are y'all going to do some kind of scouting report on Oklahoma, please? I got into a little bit of it um, with Chase. So Colin and I, as I mentioned earlier, recorded right after I got home and right after the postgame show. So I had no time to do anything. That's why I didn't really have much of a read on Oklahoma's pitching situation when we talked. I had about an hour in between and looked into that a decent bit. 
uh, before I talked to Chase late last night. Um, I will have something written about that before the game. I don't know if we'll do another podcast. Actually, we're not going to do another podcast before the series. So uh, subscribe, rippyrights.substack.com. I'll have something out for you. Tyler Keith, Ole Miss is winning the Natty, isn't it? Um, sure. I, I mean, I haven't made a pick yet. I think it goes three games, but I'm not counting this team out at this point. I'll just pick Ole Miss. Should we all wear sleeves in Omaha for Hunter Start, Rebel Yeller Ash? You can do that. I will not be doing that. Um, I already have a farmer's tan that is just a crime against humanity. It's so my farmer's tan is so egregious it pisses my girlfriend off. She actually told me she will not go to any sort of public uh, pool setting with me until I tan outside by myself twice. Uh, she said it looks like I'm wearing a white t-shirt and that I look like a printer that ran out of ink. So that's nice of her. But um, I, I don't know if I'm going with the sleeves. I might have to go the other way and go sleeveless. I don't know if I, I don't know if I've hit the gym enough to be rolling around Omaha and sleeveless tees. But uh, something's got to be done about this tan. So I'm out on the sleeves, but I don't hate the idea as a general movement. Bastard checking in here. Look, your name, you set, not mine. Uh, series predictions. I think Ole Miss wins in three. Whatever happens this weekend, thank you both for the amazing job. Oh, thanks, man. That wasn't a question, but I appreciate it. I enjoy doing this podcast. I enjoy interacting with the folks along the way. This has been a hell of a lot of fun, and uh, it, it's certainly my pleasure. Uh, look, I have a full-time job now that's not journalism, spoiler alert. I do get paid to do this, but I don't do this for the money. I do it because I enjoy it. I enjoy interacting with you people. So this has been a hell of a lot of fun. That's why I'm uh, up till 11.45 at night and back up 6.30 in the morning recording this. So anyway, um, that was not a, that was a self pat on the back. That was bad. Anyway, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening. Peyton Benedict checking in here. If the finals go to game three, do you start to lose you on three days rest? Look, whether you, you should or not, there's There would be a physical altercation in the locker room. I imagine if Dylan Delucia does not get the baseball in three days rest for game three. So, um, yes, I think the answer is yes. Dome Metcher. Dole Metcher checking in again. Are y'all getting, oh, this is the tattoo question. I answer that no. Uh, we have Chase Haney, a listener out there, says he is. Uh, send us a pic if it's somewhere appropriate. I'd like to see that. Should the campus speed limit be changed to 44 considering Delucia won a game that actually matters and didn't choke today? Sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what committee you have to run that by. I don't know what bill you got to get passed. That does seem a bit dangerous, right, on campus. People already kind of abused the 18-mile-an-hour speed limit there. Um, and don't you, if you get hit, maybe it's a good thing. Don't you, if you get hit by a car on the campus crosswalk, don't you get like free college or something? So maybe they'll just start dish. Maybe that's a way to stick it to the scam that is higher education. People just start getting laid out by cars on the Grove uh, and having non-life-threatening injuries and getting free college. Boom. We solved all the problems. Thanks, Dylan. All right, let's see. Last one, Jason McDuffie. How many jello shots are you and Colin doing? Oh, <laughs> I'm not a huge shot guy. I like a jello shot every now and again. I think that's a really cool gimmick. I'll buy Colin a shot for all of his hard work uh, if, when I run into him in Omaha. And uh, jello shot on me if I run into any of you fine people in Omaha. I'll be there late, late, late Friday night. Um, so probably uh, be out and about on Saturday. All right, that's all the questions. Let's get to Colin Brister. Um, as this was a, a instant reaction right after he left the stadium. So I think you'll enjoy it. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin. Arch Manning commits to Texas today. That's what we were going to talk about. Arch goes to Texas. Um, what a day. Uh, what a day for a news dump. But Nobody cares. You were, you were there. So you're in Omaha. Yeah. Just to set the stage a little bit, I had to work today. I uh, watched 
I thought I was going to watch the first five-ish innings at the office, come home, you know, get it on the radio when possible, have it up on the phone on the drive home, and then watch the finish, and then do all my post-game stuff. Um, I watched eight innings of that baseball game in my office um, because it, the entire game lasted two hours and ten minutes. Um, it may have been less than that. It may have been like 206. I'll have to look up when first pitch exactly was. I think it's 307. 307 was first pitch. Um, I can tell you this. At 530, I was outside the stadium um, watching Ole Miss walk to a bus, and that game had ended 20 minutes earlier. So two it was hours, right six hours. minutes on stat broadcast. That yeah. was the most – I've seen midweek games be in the third with that. I mean, that was the most <laughs> unbelievable thing I've, I've ever w- witnessed from a pitching performance-wise. I mean, you were there. To, I, yeah. What the hell do I need to talk about? I watched it on a computer screen. To set the stage, what, 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 what happened in the stands? Um, what I mean, Dylan Delusia was awesome. There's, like, no way to put, put that differently. Fastball had real life. He was locating the sl- – when the slider is in the zone and when it's – Start and he got hit him. Um, and, and it was that way today. And, and the worry was, right, the breaking stuff's what you worry about um, a little bit of short rest. Not necessarily the fastball. Everybody can throw hard. And when you're sore, it's the breaking stuff that, that, that gets you. And man, he looked good. He looked good. And, and you can tell in the first three or four innings, it's like, okay, they, they're not picking this up. And you kind of keep in the back of your mind. It's like, well, second or third time through, maybe they can get you this. And then fourth time through was, I, I don't even know if you let anybody on the fourth time through. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, old buddy had a leadoff thing. Well, I, I, I can't remember. I don't know exactly. But um, just dominant. And considering the stakes, and, and I joked about this, but considering the stakes, I mean, you got – there's a case that it was uh, more impactful than what Pomerantz did. I know Pomerantz was a little bit shorter rest two days, but it wasn't like Belushi was on full rest. He was on four. Um, so, considering the stakes, it may be the most impactful pitching performance in this history. How is it not? Yeah, it's got to be. Now that I said that out loud, it has to be. Yeah. It was a complete game four hitter. Two runners touched second base today to go to a national title. He faced three three-ball counts. 34 yeah, hitters, of, three three-ball counts, zero walks, seven strikeouts. And one of them was in the first. It was two, two, it was two seeing-eye singles in the first. Um, and then they hit, a, they hit a ball that was not hit well in the seventh, I believe. And then God's up makes the error that's the only other time they got to second base uh just domination absolutely domination um they had no chance uh, they had no chance i mean it, look arkansas is really really good um and dylan Bruce just shoved and now his team is going to play for the national title i i, I stood there um on the strikeout to end it i'm just like I, this this team is playing for a national how i don't understand it's like I still look out there and I'm like, that's the same group of kids that went two and seven against South Carolina, Alabama, and Mississippi State, and they are two wins away from being the national champions. It's it's remarkable, man. It's it, I don't. I mean, I'm running out. It was the most non we are Ole Miss thing ever. Yes, because he he never. I mean, we talked we talked about a racing doubt and all of that before with this team. But he just never put the outcome of the game in, in question. I mean, Arkansas had one opportunity to which it could have scored three runs, and that was in the first inning. Um, beyond that, he did not allow more than one base runner in an inning. 
It, it's yeah. he got better the fourth time through. The hardest contact I thought was towards the bottom of the order in the third inning, and then right when yeah. the lineup turned over the first time in the fourth, they barreled up a couple of baseballs, and uh, Ole Miss got a little bit fortunate that some balls were hit right at them. Um, and and but beyond that, they he, they were worse against him. They saw the slider and the two seamer and the occasional changeup mixed in worse the third and fourth time through the more the least competitive yeah. at bats were the ones at the end of the game yeah it was something man he was, was unbelievable um on, on short rest to come out and do that and what what will stick with me um was two things one um i'm an idiot i, I thought they should have taken him out when gonzo made it there i'm like yeah let's get let's get the guy in with the unhittable slider and you know, Lucia's stuff. I mean, look, obviously, the 90 pitches or whatever he was at at that point. It's like, his stuff may not be as good. And Lucia was like, no, you're an idiot. Watch this. And he retires seven in a row to end it. And, and the stuff was as good on the last pitch of the game as it was on the first pitch of the game. It was insane. Uh, because you knew in the eighth and ninth inning, right, because there was some debate amongst us. Like, hey, is he going to come back out? Um, and I'm like, yeah, and, and most people were like, oh, let's just go to Mallets. And I was kind of in that camp. And he comes out, and you, he knows if one dude gets on, no matter how, walk, hit by pitch, catcher's interference, um, whatever, he's coming out. And he goes six up, six down, and Arkansas doesn't even have a chance. Um, it's almost like he relishes that piece of the challenge of it, don't you think? Because how many times yeah. have you seen that again? And how fitting was all this whole thing? How many times has he had just a ridiculous – outing just completely spun a gym he's through seven or eight innings and he's north of 100 pitches and bianco sends him out for the encore now in the regular season some of that was to say preserve the bullpen but i mean if you want to get poetic about it some of that i just think is like let the man go finish his masterpiece i'm talking about the first game of the mississippi state series him coming back out for the eighth against kentucky like it was so fitting that it unfolded that way because time and time again He's just thrown masterpieces in in ridiculously huge spots for Ole Miss, and today he got to finish his work because he didn't allow a base runner over the last couple of frames. Yeah, you know, remarkably, remarkably impressive. Um, I just, I don't, I, I can't put it into words. The national title series is on the line. This dude's on short rest, and here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Um, people are going to do this thing, you know, and, and maybe not since they won, but they're going to be like, "What's wrong with the offense?" Nothing. Arkansas pitched the hell out of it two days in a row. Connor Nolan was great today. Dylan Delucia had to be great. He had the matching, and he didn't just match, and he exceeded it. Um, there was nothing wrong with the offense today. Ole Miss just they faced really good pitching today. Yesterday, I thought they were a little undisciplined um, at times, and, and I don't really care about yesterday at this point. But, you know, t- today, Connor Nolan was special, man, and, and he gave his team every chance to win that baseball game, and Dylan Delucia was just a little bit better. Um, and that's why Ole Miss is going to play Oklahoma on Saturday night in the national title series. It's yes, it, saying I, that out loud is insane. It really, really is. I mean, this team left Fayetteville. I mean, it was perfect symmetry in that sense that, that when they played Arkansas in the regular season, they missed opportunity after opportunity, and they left that series at seven and fourteen. Um, and pretty much, I mean, any chance of the postseason at that point was was over with, and now. They are going to play for the national championship series. It's it's uh, I mean it's also words. They're going to win the Jello Shot Challenge now. People forget that. I just assumed that they would eventually pull through on that one. I mean, if you thought Delusion <laughs> was going to be good and Elliot was going to be good in this tournament, um, I, I just I just assumed that uh, Ole Miss would eventually take care of business on that one, and it uh, 
it sounds like they did. I mean, what's a, I mean, I, you were in there. I just want to get a better feel for what some of the stuff was like. What, what, what was the, how was the crowd feeding off what he was doing? Like, like kind of give me, um, it, I mean, was it mesmerizing at some points? What, what was it yeah. like? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So some of it, I think so, and this is going to sound stupid. For me personally, some of it you couldn't appreciate because of how nervous I was and how, how much my anxiety was kicking in when I'm like, they're a bloop and a blast for this being tied. And then when it was over, you realized how dominant, how great he was. I mean, obviously you realize that it's going on, but um, what was on the line and the anxiety that came with that for me kind of kind of made me, you know, uh, or stress a little bit more about, you know, winning the game rather than, you know, is this cat really about to pitch a complete game for hitter? Um, but it was insane. And, and I, I look, so I, I said not to bring it back to the eighth. I was like, just go to Miles. But when he got through the eighth like that, um, there was no doubt we needed to go back out for the ninth. And, and he just goes out for the ninth, rolls two ground balls, and owns the guy to end the game and, and just completed it. And look, you know, Yes, doing this, sending on this in the national title series, very, very important, obviously. But what he did, man, is like – and we probably need to get into this a little bit because I don't think we'll talk again for the play for the national title series. You have a bullpen now that if Mike Bianco wants to look at Hunter Elliott and say, no, you're going to pitch on Sunday because I've got a bullpen that can get me through Saturday and you can have full rest and pitch on Sunday, then he can do that. I'm not saying he's going to, and I'm not even necessarily saying that's the right thing to do. But because his bullpen is nowhere near exhausted because of Belushi's outing, he has a lot of options for what he wants to do on Saturday and Sunday. And that's a great way to spin it forward. Ole Miss is going to face Oklahoma in the national title series. You're obviously, at best, you're going to get Dylan Delusia. Probably, I mean, it feels stupid to say this after <laughs> after what he just did today, but some somewhat compromised version of Delusia. Um on Monday after he throws yeah. what 113 pitches today kind of give us give me a, what your what your thoughts are and what they're going to face in, against Oklahoma set their pitching staff perfectly in game one and what you oh. would do for Ole Miss pitching wise so so if it's me right um look Oklahoma's going to throw Jake Bennett in game one he's a left-hander he's 92 94 he's good uh he's really really good um people are looking at stats like oh he's hittable I'm telling you the last month he has been really really dominant um Ole Miss struggles with left-handed pitching, and I'm not trying to throw cold water on a parade today. I'm not, because trust me, I'm about to go enjoy this as much as anyone. But, um, you know, part of me wonders – I get how important game one is, but you're guaranteed a game two. You're guaranteed a game two that, that Hunter Elliott has pitched in all year. Part of me wonders if the right move is to not throw Hunter Elliott to game one. Um, I, and I'm not faulting that decision. If he doesn't, let me be very clear. I do wonder if getting him almost a full week of rest instead of starting him on four days like Belushi did today. And obviously, Belushi was excellent on it, but I do worry a little bit with Hunter being younger. Um, if the right move isn't to hold him until Sunday and figure out somebody else to throw on Saturday. So that's an interesting thought. I just had this conversation with Neil um, on the postgame show. And just to give our listeners a, a full disclosure, is when you and I are recording this. I so most of the time when we do this, I have I'm usually most at home watching. I have ample time to kind of collect my thoughts. I had to run in from coming home from work, talk to Neil. You're about to go celebrate, so I haven't had a time to sit down and kind of think my way through things at all. I mean, I literally I'm still wearing my backpack. If we're being completely, <laughs> about how this has gone down, 
I, I haven't had a ton of time to think about it, but you are going to have to Johnny Holstaff, not Johnny Holstaff. You're going to have to find a third starter, then presumably go deeper into your bullpen, whatever you want to call that. If it's a Johnny Holstaff, whether you it's not for one of these yeah. games, at least one of them. And with what Oklahoma has on the mound, would you prefer it be game one and two? And how much did the rest – I mean, you just answered this question, but I'm talking through it out loud. How much does that rest matter for Hunter Elliott? You seem to think it's a lot. I think it matters, and I think when you when you consider that, that Ole Miss has struggled with left-handed pitching, and along with that, I think it would be um, – if it's me, and, and look, I'm not going to question anything Bob's doing at this point. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just think it, if it's me, I would I would find somebody else to throw on Saturday. It's going to give me a chance to win a baseball game. Some people would say, oh, you're conceding Saturday. No, I'm not. Owens' bullpen is good. I don't know if y'all have noticed. They're good. Um, Jack Washburn was electric at times yesterday. Jack Doherty was electric yesterday. Um, and those those are two guys that I just mentioned that might be the possible guys that you run out there to start um, on Saturday if it comes to that. I think, frankly – talking through this, I don't really think there is another option besides maybe Diamond, but I think I would go with Doherty or Washburn before I went there. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, but but I don't really – I don't see Dylan Belushi starting on Saturday or Sunday, so somebody else is going to have to throw it. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and you don't you, – just talking this out again, you don't tempt fate with Gaddis on short rest. Like, he went more than enough to where that's probably out on him being able to start a Saturday or a, or a Sunday. I guess if you go, I'll put it to you this way: If you go Elliott in Game One and you have a, you have to, uh, you have to find this third starter for Game Two. Does that bring Gaddis more into the mix? Um, you throw Elliott on Saturday, and yeah, that would be Wednesday to Sunday versus Gaddis versus Gaddis, Washburn, Doherty, Diamond. Well, if you if you don't start, if you if you don't start Elliott on Saturday, it's not going to be Gaddis on two days, um, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, no. It won't be Gaddis on two days, so it, it would either be Washburn or Doherty, and I would, I would lean toward Washburn. Um, yeah, I, 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 Gaddis would have to – if you're doing that, he would have to be the guy on Sunday. And, and I just worry, man. My, I guess my worry would be – and I'm not doubting this team. Frankly, I'm picking them to win the national title, to be honest. Um, my worry would be is that if Bennett's as good as I think he is and you have a bad day against left-handed pitching um, and you waste Hunter Elliott because he gives up – you know, two runs in seven, but you can't score. And then you're having to pitch an el- elimination game without Dylan Belusha or Hunter Elliott. That, that, that situation worries me a little bit. And Oklahoma, in all likelihood, unless I'm missing something, will probably go with Sandlin in game two, and that's the right-hander that's been no, get a No, they will go with Cade Horton in game two. You think he is a kid? Yes, no, I know it will be. Because Horton uh, – Sandlin actually threw yesterday. Um, Horton threw game two – he has been their game two guy the last two weeks because Sandlin has had a little bit of a rough patch. And Horton is a dynamite arm. He's coming off Tommy John. He's getting stronger and stronger as the season goes on, as we've seen before. He was electric in their winter bra- winner's bracket game against uh, Notre Dame. He'll be 95 to 97 with a hammer. Um, so really, really good pitching from, from Oklahoma College. And that's going to be tough. And that's what the, the, having to play this game for Ole Miss yep. – um, that's kind of where, where, where this becomes an issue, right? I mean, it's, it's you, with what Oklahoma has on the mound, you would prefer to have gone, you know, best on best. I mean, hell, if you got what you got to, from Delusia today in game one, nobody on earth was beating them. Um, and so that's the kind of disadvantage you're at. But you know you're going to have one hell of a shot to win one of these with Hunter Elliott on the mound. It's how good can you be 
with the third starter, which Ole Miss passed that test on Wednesday night. I know it's irrelevant to talk about Wednesday night now, but that was kind of the the rub or what made it feel like a gut punch is the Ole Miss hadn't had to address the third starter piece of this. And Gaddis was great given the circumstances, you know, great, you know, far cry from what Delusia did today, but from what you could have asked for, he was awesome. And so that's certainly an encouraging sign if you're going to have to do it again, but that this is going to be an uphill, uh, an uphill climb for the money. We have, we have betting odds for the national title series. Uh, what do you, what do you, what would you make them? So to win the series, we have betting odds. What would you make? Ole Miss like plus 130? Put a minus in front of that 130. They're favored. They are favored. Ole Miss is favored to win the national title. They're minus 130 and Oklahoma's plus 120. You've dabbled in a wager or two in your life. What do you make of college baseball odds? Because I contend that while Vegas is still they're smart, they're kind of no, – they're a little screwy. Yeah, they're off. Um, you make money if you're smart on, on them. Just, just putting that out in the world. Um, yeah, I don't really buy a whole lot into them. But I do think the more they, they do them, the, the better they're going to get, obviously. Um, yeah, you're right. And so you are so you think it's going to be Bennett-Sandlin? Uh, no. I think it's going to be Bennett-Horton-Sandlin. Excuse me. Yeah, sorry. No, I said Sandlin. I screwed that up. Bennett-Horton, and then you probably see Sandlin if there's a game three? Yes, Sandlin will be game three. If he throw on Wednesday, that would be Monday. He'd be playing a rest and he had a rough outing against Florida. Um, they got after him. Or, no, did something happen? Oh, they had a, that was a rain delay. Never mind. Yes. He's been pretty good throughout. Um, he was re- Like you said, he was pretty good against Texas A&M in the opener. Um, he was really good in game one of that regional against a really good Virginia Tech uh, offense. I think he only allowed one earned run. I think they had a couple errors, and he ended up allowing three or four earned runs. But um, what, do you, what is kind of your read on Bennett? Uh, lefty, 91, 94, good curveball, good off-speed, been really good this offseason. It's going to be really, really tough. Um, he's better than any left-handed arm Ole Miss saw this thing since maybe Palmquist. I think Palmquist, not from a um, delivery and, and pitching style, I don't think they're a good comp, but for how good they are, I think that's a good comp, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you got to run in a second, and I've just been bouncing around here, but – I mean, you followed this program a long, long time. We've done this podcast for, uh, what, three, four years together now. Um, I mean, we've been friends before that. We worked together before that. We've watched a bunch of Ole Miss baseball together. It probably hasn't sunk in yet, and that's probably partially because of me because you're not slamming a 12-pack right now. But, like, what, what, what are you feeling? What are your, what, 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 what's going on in your head right now? We'll take this between the ears. Yeah, it was – so I'll, I'll say it like this: When when Ole Miss, I followed them since Mike got here in '01, um, and my dad told me I think in '03, was like, "Hey, because dad loves baseball the same way I do." Um, when Ole Miss started to get good with Seth Smith and Stephen Hedman, he's like, "Hey, if they ever go to Omaha, we'll go. Like, we'll 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 stay out there the entire time they're there." Um, didn't think it would take ten years, and then you know we get to go in '14, and then getting getting to see them advance the national title. Series my dad was really, really cool. Um, oh, I bet it was unbelievable. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm not gonna lie, it was that was awesome. And then you know, just look, this program's been through a lot as far as as far as you know, not making all lot as much as they had, as much as they should have, frankly. Um, but all that's over, and and to see the program be one of the best in college baseball, frankly, where it's been for a long time from a consistency standpoint, um, it's awesome. 
it, it, it's really, really awesome. And, man, if they win two more games, they win two more games, literally nothing that has happened up until this point or that someone can get mad about matters. Um, I, wonder, I think they're going to. Have reached that yet? Yeah, we have. For me, for me, we have. Um, but, man, it's, it's – I'll, I'll say this. The biggest win in Ole Miss sports since what? I, I have no clue. I mean, look, football is always bigger, but the wins over sure. Alabama were September in the first week of October. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that this one's bigger. I don't know how to compare it. Honestly, I don't love those comparisons between football and baseball in terms of, like, arguing about yeah. it. But, like, I, I don't know how to gauge it, but it, it, it's got to be on the Mount Rushmore ever, doesn't it? Well, yeah. When's the last time they played for a national title in a major sport? Uh, I wasn't alive back then. Yeah, never. Um, not nonsense, you know. Frankly, they never advanced to a national title game because when they won national titles, they just they just did the bowl games and then they were ranked number one, which you know those count. Obviously, I'm just saying they've, they've never advanced in, in, in a game to play for the national title. I don't know how you rank it, you know, with football being the the, the team and all, but man, it's the biggest baseball game they've ever played. And you know, if you look at it from a helicopter view, right? Like you don't have any emotion invested in it. If you look at it from a helicopter view, it wasn't overly stressful. However, I have emotion vested in this, and I was dying in Section 106. So, um, you know, it was uh, it, it, it was fun. It was the, the the moment seeing him strike out the kid in the game was was pretty special. I I'll remember that one for a long time. It's it's and the last serious thing that I got to note on my father, and then we'll, I'll let you get out of here and start the celebrating. After last night, I wrote some – I don't usually send newsletters that will be dated pretty quickly, but I just wanted to write down some pretty quick thoughts about what I thought last night and what it meant for today. And I was pretty adamant about the fact that this is not me saying, look at me, I'm correct. It's just going through what, you know, kind of I had in my head last night and where I was from a mindset standpoint. I didn't think that if this team lost today, it would be because it came out flat or tight. No. Um, I didn't think they'd be able to score two runs and win this game, but that's really not the point <laughs> right now. That's a conversation that we can have another day. But I, I didn't think that that would be the case. This team, for all of its very, very you know, fair and adequate flaws, and for everything you can fault them for, they've always been pretty resilient. The one time that you thought maybe they've mailed it in, it's gone flat. It was the unacceptable performance against SEMO, and that led to the Brandon Johnson, um, uh, Ben Van Cleve players only talk, whatever you want to call that. They've been a pretty resilient group. And I didn't think they'd come out flat today. I didn't necessarily think they'd come out tight. When Connor Nolan got things working today, I thought there was a chance that you might see some not, – not give up, not lethargic, but some frustration and a lot of pressing. And I don't know if you want to count that tight or whatever. And it, I thought it might translate a little bit into the field. But as we've seen time and time and time again this year, doing Delusia, whatever they've lacked or you thought they might have lacked, Dylan DeLucia injects something in them that gets them over the edge. And so I'm not saying Ole Miss was going to devolve into that state had that continued and DeLucia not been as good. I'm just saying what he did and what he gave the rest of that team today made sure that that was never going to happen. I mean, the way in the interview they played behind him with was really incredible and really palpable for something that's not really tangible. And I just thought the way the whole thing played out was fitting because how many times have we seen him do that this year? Yeah, no, they, they just – look, even if they were tight, it wouldn't matter. They were going to score at some point. Arkansas obviously wasn't. Um, and now – Maybe that's what they know, thought. Now they're at scoring yeah, I mean, one. This is over. Yeah. 
But yeah, when, when KG singled to put him ahead, I didn't think that was going to be enough. Boy, was that wrong. No, he's special. Um, special, special performance. Kids made him some money this week, too. I don't know how you look at that guy. I'm like, I don't want him in my organization because I want that guy in my organization every single day. It's it's unreal. I'll let you go. I'll I'll leave with the story though, as you I've yeah. relished the moment of where you watched this with your dad today. I mean, look, in moments like this, I mean, I start thinking about my dad who took me to games and everything growing up as well. And I wish I had some sort of wax poetic story for you. I don't. I actually have the complete opposite. In a normal world, I would hopefully to be able to go to this these games with my father. He booked a um anniversary trip with my mom to Italy. Oh boy. And he watched most of that game in the Atlanta airport. And now he will be across the pond with the Euros as Ole Miss plays for a national title. Look, it'll still be a nice trip. I'm sure that they're very excited for it. But I'm just telling you, the first bar in Florence that doesn't sell that guy Coors Light at 8 a.m. when he's trying to watch the first pitch, we could have a real issue. (laughs) We did not need him arrested, right? I don't know what Italian prison's like, but I don't think you would survive long there. I don't think so, I mean, you will just complain. I think you'll just complain. They'll be like, what do you mean you don't have college baseball on at 8 a.m.? And what do you mean I can't have cores? Like, what is this Peroni shit, and why is everything closed? So that'll be something to monitor. We'll have updates throughout. I know you got to go. Know. I uh, appreciate the time, as always, dude. I don't know when we'll speak, talk again because I'm going, yeah. you're going – if we catch a wild hair, maybe we'll do one of the old-fashioned Skype via both phones that we did back in the day for 20 minutes. But there's a decent chance we don't talk again until it's decided. We'll meet up in Omaha for some beers. I appreciate yes. time as always. And, uh, hell, I'll see you soon. All right. Sounds good, my man. Go enjoy the win. All right, that was Colin Brister. We're going to go to Chase Parham to close out the end of this podcast. Again, I talked to Chase a little bit later in the evening, so I kind of had some, some more time to gather my thoughts, look at a little bit of Oklahoma and I uh, felt a little bit better prepared to do a podcast. But, hey, we we're trying to get some content out for the people. Before we get to that, though, I do want to remind you, podcast is brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. You know you know the drill. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Ride subscriber, it's rippyrides.substack.com. Type in your email. Get a free newsletter from me a couple of times a week, writing the uh, Omaha preview right now. And discounted meats. Right now it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription, and he'll get you set up. And then go find your own favorites. Oxford is so lucky to have a place like LB's. Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. Weather's warming up. It's prime grilling season. You need to go trust Greg and LB's to get you something great to throw on the grill. I like the tri-tip, filet burgers, all kinds of delicious cuts there, fresh sausages, seafood, delicious sides. I love the crab stuff, mushrooms, all kinds of great stuff there. If he doesn't have it, he will get it for you because Greg and LBs want to make your grilling experience great. Go check him out. LBs University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here's Chase Parham on Ole Miss being on the precipice of winning a national championship. All right, we are two wins away from the triumphant return of three outs. I don't know if when Chase Parham made that promise, he thought that that would be the case. But he is in Omaha in an Airbnb. Here's Ben Garrett is in the background. Is, what, what's he doing back there? Is he hitting himself in the head? No, I can't see him. Ole Miss has uh, defeated Arkansas 2 to nothing uh, as we record this late on Thursday night. You guys are back from the ballpark. We were talking right before we started recording this. I, I, uh, I don't have a ton of words. Um, I, you know, I do that post uh, – the hand raise guys. And uh, on a scale of 1 to 10 ranking that segment, it was probably like a 4 when I called in because – I just didn't know what to say. That was one of the most unbelievable performances I've ever seen by anyone at any level. Honest to God, I think it would transcend like any other sport. I'll just throw it to you. What 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 the hell was that? 
Yeah, it's one of those deals where going into the day, I thought that if you could get four or five innings out of Dylan DeLucia, that was going to be success. I mean, you're talking about four days rest, a guy who had not thrown very well on short rest in the past, somebody who really it requires that slider to be pretty good. If it flattens out, he has trouble. So in your mind, the blueprint was four or five from him. You still got Mallets, still got Johnson. You throw both of them and you try to put it together and you have to score some runs and you hope Connor Nolan leaves some fastballs over the middle of the plate. And instead, it looked like he was as fresh as a daisy. Dylan Delusia goes all Delusia, Delusia goes all nine innings, throws a complete game shutout, strikes out seven, no walks, doesn't really get into many three ball counts. They did not hit a ball hard after the fifth inning when Brady Slavins hit the uh hit the line drive. They got run down by Graham and left field. It was total domination. He only got stronger as the game went on. Mike Bianco came out to the mound in the seventh uh, when two balls didn't leave the infield but still put two runners on base for Arkansas. And Askinby was okay. And past that, it was Delusia's game the entire time. It was a phenomenal effort. And given the stage, given the atmosphere, given what was on the line, the short rest, it was the greatest pitching performance in Ole Miss baseball history. Maybe in a vacuum. You can talk about the stuff that Pomeranz had on two days rest in 2009 against Western Kentucky, but, you know, Mike Mianka was asked about it in the press conference afterward, and he said that game was at home. It was on a Monday. It was just in a regional that they were similar, but that Delusia had the edge. I mean, we're talking about a JUCO transfer that wasn't even in the starting rotation until the middle of April. A guy who has become the heart and soul of this team, a guy who has earned his teammates' respect because they play better for him. They have he has developed this Nikhazy-like effect on his teammates defensively when he's out there. It's, it, it has been one of the crazier stories I ever, I've ever seen. And now a team that was the, uh, the last team into the field of 64, a team that had to lobby, had to get some help from John Cohen, all these things just get into the tournament. Now they're two wins away from a national title. They are going to finish higher than any other Ole Miss team in school history, despite only getting their 40th win today. I think today was win 40 maybe, something like that. So it is, it is, it's an incredible accomplishment. It's a hell of a story. And it, it begins and ends with doing Delusia because you're talking about a guy that it wasn't like your offense was just rolling where you had a bunch of carefree innings. Connor Nolan was excellent for Arkansas. He was on the same four days rest. He struck out seven. I and mean, I think you told me the game was played in like two hours and 13 minutes. I mean, it was just flying all the way through. Connor Nolan said he was so nervous. He was standing in the tunnel between innings and not watching his own offense, but that, a pretty partisan Ole Miss crowd. He could hear the cheers and tell that Delusia was was doing something special on the other side. It was all about which one blinked. And, and Nolan, there in the fourth, Kevin Graham with the uh, the RBI that scored the first run, Nolan just tried to throw a little get-over curveball to get ahead in the count, and Graham uh, laced it down the first baseline. And that was enough for Delusia as he uh, he did. He, he put he put the finishing touches, the entire touches, on, on a game that it's a legacy. It is uh, – it's, it's a kind of end of Ole Miss lore, if you will. I mean, it's all those different things. And not always do you know that's going to happen in real time, Brian. You know, it's some of those times where the retrospective is what goes, hey, that's amazing. That's, that's something we're going to remember. But when you're watching it unfold, knowing you're watching something people are going to talk about for years and decades and generations, especially depending on what happens here over the course of the weekend, that's pretty special, heady stuff. He's also put together the best postseason in Ole Miss baseball history when you look at the entire thing. Super regional, two outings in Omaha. The dudes allowed one earned run in 22 and a third innings, I think is what the number is at this point. At 16.2 innings, I think, in the College World Series with only one run allowed, plus whatever he did in Hattiesburg. It's it's a crazy story. 
He's also one inning away from tying the College World Series record for most innings without a walk. That's currently held by Roger Clemens with 17.2 from 1983. Delusia is at 16.2 in Omaha without a, without a walk right behind him. So, I mean, you, you can go on and on and on. That doesn't even take into account the Mike Bianco angles of this, the leadership, the Tim Elko stuff. I mean, it's, it's all about Delusia today, but it's become one hell of a story. It's. I was about to ask you that as um, when you were talking about not necessarily knowing what you're watching in the moment. I mean, I, I was joking with you. That game was literally played from first pitch to last out in two hours and six minutes. We both covered midweek games that were in the third inning when they reached the two-hour mark. But I was I, – I think I said this on the postgame show. I had to work today, so I was watching it from the office, and I was like, all right, whatever, not a huge deal. Wish they hadn't moved it up. I watched first five so innings at the office get on the radio, watch the last couple at home, and uh, do the post game. I watched eight innings from work um, because there was no walks. It flew by. It was one of the fa- – it may be the fastest baseball game I've ever watched. I don't think that's trackable. But as it's flying by, you could still tell that you were watching something that you are going to remember for a long time. And I'm not just saying that after the fact. When he got through the third time through the order, you mentioned the balls hit in the fourth and fifth innings. I thought the exact same thing. The harder contact came the first time uh, Arkansas turned the lineup over. After that, from an Arkansas standpoint, it got worse. Delucia got better. And once it hit that sixth inning and they were just kind of aimlessly flailing at stuff, they couldn't do anything with the slider. The left-handers looked just stunned every single time that would drop in on the outside corner. You get the picture. I'm just curious, like, when you sitting in the ballpark realized, okay, this is something that we are going to remember for a very long time. Because to me, it happened around that fifth or sixth inning when you look at the pitch count. I forget which inning he had, like, the five-pitch inning. But after that, I was like, okay, this is going to be uh, historic stuff. When did that hit for you guys in the ballpark? It hit around the fifth that I was seeing something special. But I'll be honest. I was a little surprised that he came back out for the ninth. I thought we were going to see the really? you know, seven and two-thirds, the the eight complete, and then somebody else come in. Well, for a couple different reasons. A, he is on four days rest. I mean, the dude's tired. He's over 100 pitches. I know he's got a rubber arm, and he goes a long time when he's, when he's in the game. But Mike likes his closer. He wanted Brandon Johnson to get in the game. I mean, he admitted that Josh Mallett, even though he'd been warming for a while, it was going to be Johnson who pitched the ninth if Delucia needed to come out at any point. And I think we were one base runner from Delucia coming out of the game at any point because that brings the tying run to the plate. He had a three-ball count at least there in the eighth and got out of it and was able to escape after that seventh. And when Chatagnier makes a pretty good play with two outs to get out of that inning. So I guess I watched the last two or three innings thinking we're about to get the huge standing ovation in that moment in Omaha, but he's not necessarily going to finish it. And then when uh, he walked in for, after the eighth, he just went straight to the bench. Like, he kind of gave the little low high fives. He walked to the bench. Mike didn't even look his direction. He walked the other way, and I went, no, this is, this is his game right now. He's going to come back out and, and give it a shot. So, I don't know that that part sunk in, but what you were watching the second half of that game was fairly spectacular. You know, he, Delusia said that he didn't have his fastball early on, that he kind of was living off the slider the first four innings. In the middle of the game, he found it. Um, I talked to Mike after the game. He said that that was not completely true. He said he had it really good to left-handers, but he kind of had to find it for right-handers as the game come through. But to the left-handers, he was still really, really uh, crossing them up at that point with the fastball also. But you're talking about a guy that's on that level of rest, that that much adrenaline, that kind of stage. And out of the last five innings, he sat him down in order in four of those five. He only had one inning in the last five innings where he had base runners. 
And there's also something to it being Arkansas. You know, when you looked at the bracket, you had Auburn, who Ole Miss was better than. You had Stanford, who had kind of scuffled keeping UConn from scoring a ton of runs. And while they had a really dang good season from a, from a mound standpoint, they looked susceptible. But Arkansas, in a way, has sort of been the boogeyman. It's been the evil empire for Ole Miss in, in, in a lot of ways. You've got all the, all the Twitter and the social media angst between those two programs. There's an extra level of benefit when it's the Razorbacks over there and when it's Dave Van Horn and him trying to get his first title after that honing end of the 2018 World Series. That added an element for me that is, is – it's fairly crazy. You know, Oklahoma has no connection to Ole Miss other than Kate Horton. So you're not going to see some crazy storyline in the final. But as far as getting through that bracket, besting two other SEC West schools, taking them down along the way, I mean, it's, it's pretty heady stuff. And to add to your point about the fastball thing, I believe the last pitch was a 92-mile-an-hour elevated fastball to a right-handed hitter. And it, that just kind of plays into how much stronger he got as the game wore on. Well, I'm curious, real quick, sidebar, what's the Kate Horton connection? So, Kate Horton, Oklahoma's number two starter, at least. He's been the number two starter lately, a freshman. He was actually committed to Ole Miss, and he flipped to Oklahoma. Wow. So, there's a, there's a world where Kate Horton was, would be Ole Miss's number three starter in this, in this season. Okay, bagman out there in Norman for college baseball, but he's a two-way kid. He left for football and baseball. Okay, I watched. Uh, I've made it about as we record this. When you uh, said you were good, I made it about halfway through uh, the post-game presser. Um, again, as a theme throughout this postseason, Mike's using words I've never heard him use before. He called Delucia's performance legendary. And look, if there was ever a stage for Mike to kind of expand his vocab and actually admit something was awesome, uh, it's probably that type of stage. And he certainly <laughs> did. And it's just it's, – it's hard to put into words. It's, it's one of the greatest – probably the greatest performance in program history and the biggest performance – and in the biggest game in program history. Offensively, we, you and I hadn't really chatted since uh, the – uh, before the Wednesday night game. I didn't think they'd win the game with two runs today. Of course, it took a superhuman performance, but – I don't know what – like, what do you make of this spinning it forward? They scored two runs today. I will say, with the way Arkansas plays infield defense, they weren't cheated on those two runs. Like, those are not freebies. They got those things through and got the, the guy around. Wasn't a great offensive day. Connor Nolan was really, really good. I can't decide if I make something of it or just the fact that Ole Miss fell victim to some kryptonite with a couple left-handers on Wednesday with really good sliders. And just a terrific performance from a great pitcher in Connor Nolan today. What do you make of the offensive struggles? Because it's it hadn't been great the last 18 innings. It's a small sample size, so you want to be a little careful. I mean, I agree with you. It was a lot of left-handers on on whatever day. And my, my days are running together because I feel like I've been in Omaha for three months now. But on Wednesday, it was a lot of left-handers. They had terrible at-bats. And then today, Nolan was good. They still missed some fastballs. I mean, when you look at it, Bench has been good. Calvin Harris has been good. Alderman has been good. Even even today, he had a couple of really hard hit balls. And Graham is incredibly clutch throughout this postseason when he's been needed. But if they're going to win the national title, they've got to get more out of Elko. He's got to show up. I think he's like two for 14 or something so far uh, of, of his last 16. He's got to get going. They've got to get a little more at the bottom of the order. You know, what, what? when Ole Miss was clicking completely, it was that the middle and the bottom were at least having quality at bats. And what worries you at the, right now is, and I don't know why, I don't know if there's shadows, I don't know if there's no reason at all, because I don't feel like this has been the case all season. They're not picking up the slider. It's not even that they're not laying off of it, but I don't know whether it's tunneling or what's going on. They're not even picking it up. They're, they're reading fastball out of the hand. It's starting either down or away, and then they're swinging through it and looking like, you know, incompetent batters because it's ended up in the other batter's box because, you know, baseball 101 – 
with a slider, if it starts out anywhere over the outer half of the plate or down, you leave it alone because it's going to end up way out of the zone. They're not doing that, and that's creating the bad. So they're going to have to work on that. They've got some issues, and then they've got to figure out uh, – they've got to figure out um, ways to uh, to get Gonzalez going. You know, his his stance looks different. His load looks different. He looks like he's carrying offense over into defense a little bit. I mean, it's a lot of stuff right now with Gonzo. He's just not playing very well. And sitting there in that two-hole, that's a problem because Bench is doing a lot of work. But when you've got Elko and Gonzalez both struggling at the same time, that's losing a lot of scoring opportunities at the top of that order heading into Graham and, and Kemp. So, you know, when, when I look at it, I think that's the challenge for Ole Miss. I think for them to be successful, Jacob Gonzalez, Tim Elko, they've got to have a really good weekend. That, that, that's the key to beating, you know, beating Oklahoma because you've got to put some innings together. The pitching is going to be complicated and a bit of a mess, and it's nowhere going to be as seamless as if Ole Miss had won on Wednesday because I said this, and I completely believe it. Had Ole Miss won on Wednesday night, it was winning the national title. You were setting up in Delusia and Elliott, and I think that would have been that. I think Ole Miss would have won it in two games, and I would have been home sometime on Monday. It's not that Ole Miss can't win now, but it's much more complicated. So the offense is going to have to carry them. Gonzalez and Elko have to uh, have to definitely be better at that point. You know, I mean, they they struggled today, but I do have to give them credit for this. This is a, you know, bench, Elko, leadership, Mike, too. That was a pretty crushed team on Wednesday night. They, they struggled with that loss more than more than I expected, if I'm being completely honest, because they had an issue where, you know, I think Shotney may have been crying after the game. He looked like he was tearing up or something emotionally at that point. Mike said, hey, it's going to take a few hours to get over this one because of how close we were. And they showed up at the park. So a lot of it was Delucia. He let them kind of ease into the game a little bit. But that wasn't a team that was still haunted by the ghost of the day before. I, I give them a lot of credit for sort of how they bounced out there. It looked like Arkansas was the one that started pressing in the fifth, sixth innings. Yeah, you're right. And I've talked about this with Colin a little bit, and I think I mentioned it on uh, Henry's guys. But I didn't. I wrote last night I didn't think that they would come out flat. Or I didn't think they'd lose to – today if they came out flat and they responded but like if there was ever a doubt and if it wasn't going well with no one in the fourth inning whatever Delusia injects in that team kind of removes all doubt as to whether they're going to get tight lethargic flat whatever you want to call it like whatever he gives them because as you mentioned they play with a different edge defensively behind him whatever he gives them kind of to me removed any doubt that they were going to be flat today and the offensive piece of it is concerning. I mean, you're going to see a really good left-hander in Bennett in game one, and then you got Horton going in game two. He's a righty. But, like, they're going to they're gonna face kind of what's what's plagued them um, in that first game, and they're not set up as well from a pitching standpoint. I, we can get to that piece of it in a minute, but just – I don't even necessarily know where to go from here. What was Mike like after? He's playing for a national title for the first time in his career. He didn't win one as a player, did he? Did he play for one? No, he no he's won. He's won three as an assistant coach, but he did not win one as a player. Uh, LSU won three out of four years. You know, he was. You know, Mike was the third base coach when Warren Morris hit the famed home run to beat Miami with the walk off. He, so um, he when liked. they've got the picture of you know, I guess it's it's Alex Cora, you know, laying on the ground or whatever. Um, what were you saying? What was he like? I'm just curious. After the game, I mean, did you get any? I know he was, was on the stage, but. Just a great mood. I mean, I mean, like in the most light way possible. I mean, Mike has handled himself in this in this postseason. He's, you know, I thought he managed a little tight on Wednesday. I didn't like some of the pinch hit stuff, some of the ways he went there at the end of the game. But otherwise, he's incredibly free right now. He's enjoying this process. It's like you when you and I talked the other day. It's not a 
farewell tour. It's not a farewell ride. It's not anything like that as far as, you know, I'm, I'm soaking in all the moments. It's just he hasn't been here in a while. He's, he's put a lot of sweat equity and a lot of work and a lot of, you know, torment of losses into a moment like this where he's not on the hot seat. He's not worried about anything. It's not trying to get over the hump for the first time. He's just coaching a pretty damn hot, good baseball team as they make a run through the College World Series. He's incredibly respected in that, you know, in that environment around Omaha and around that College World Series. Everybody knows him. Everybody's kind of rooting for him a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm going to write about it in a little while on RebelGrove.com. I mean, he was – I was talking to him after the press conference, and John Cohen walks up and gives him a hug and congratulates him and tells him that, you know, he's basically pulling for him and to, get, to go win a national title. The Mississippi State AD, who was – I mean, I, I, I'm fairly sourced on – and I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly educated on being, a, you know, a reason that Ole Miss made it into the tournament there. So, I mean, it's just – it's a full circle deal that's fairly amazing. I mean, it was uh, – he's he's good. I mean, he, he believes in his team. And, you know, Dave Van Horn said it. He said, I know Oklahoma is really set up right now, but the way Ole Miss is playing, he's not – you know, Van Horn said, I'm not sure it matters. Will, uh, will John Cohen get a ring up next in the next segment? <laughs> <laughs> It really is an unbelievable story, though. But like, it's it, crazy, dude. I mean, the, the make, elements of this are insane. And it's like, I, I started writing about this the other day, and I saved it. And I'm going to include it in something that I'll publish tomorrow. But like, I started used to say that this doesn't make any sense, like just texting buddies or whatever. But like, it does make sense. It's just the way all the pieces came together doesn't make any sense. At the beginning of the year, sands the last two games. If you told me the offense was going to – like, we, if the offense we knew was going to be that good, if you told me the pitching was going to be as good as it has been in the postseason, I'd be like, okay, they might win the whole thing. But the way it came together throughout the three months and the offense sucking and the pitching somehow being awful and then stabilizing it, it's just – it's an insane story. Um, and, like, them leaving Fayetteville – I mean, there's some symmetry to them leaving Fayetteville at 7-14, and 14, and then they beat Arkansas – have to play Arkansas twice, beat them twice to get to a national title series. It's It's – it's one of the wilder stories ever. I mean, I'm just running out of ways and angles to, to cover it. And it doesn't seem like a team that gets caught up in the moment at all. That was another noticeable thing about the Lucia. The guy's face didn't change the entire time. I mean, I couldn't tell if he was, like, grocery shopping or pitching in a national title game. He was just stone cold. It was, honest to God, like an out-of-body – like watching a guy have an out-of-body experience. Because even, in, even his misses were purposeful for the most part. There wasn't a whole lot of spiking fastballs in the ground – or, or an elevated pitch that's like, oh, that one got away from me. Like, even the misses in a fairly wide strike zone, that probably helped, were pretty tactful. It was it really was watching, like, someone that kind of reached a different level than anyone else on the field around him. I'm not going to say he cares more than anybody else because that's not quantifiable. I don't know how to say that. I will say, though, he's become the emotional team leader. He's been the guy that, you know, he he's the one that came and talked to the media when it was going so poorly there for a little while. He was the guy that – had to overcome the stupid quote about the small park in Tennessee and kind of take that heat, you know, at, at, at different points. I mean, he's been through the ringer a little bit. That He had an interesting quote that, hey, the ride hasn't been necessarily been smooth all year, but he's soaking up things as they happen right now. I mean, you know, that's the other realization to this is that there was a decent chance, and I'm not I'm saying it's over, but there was a world where Justin Bench, Kevin Graham, and Dylan DeLucia all come back next season. TV is It's hard to see that happening now. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, it, it's hard to see any of those three coming coming back at this point. I mean, I'm not reporting they're leaving, but given what's going on and, and a chance to win a national title, you lose some of the the appeal for doing that. But 
Delusia's riding that wave where he has he has become this it's not it's not Nikhazy like, but it is in the way of he does show some like you said, he shows care. It's not emotion as and I'm gonna go fire you up after every pitch, but it's care. He the, the guys see his face, they're able to kind of ride that out a little bit. He 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 is on a team that's pretty subdued. He is a bit of a a, a spark plug for them. And I think that's really relevant. I think that's necessary. And then you saw it all kind of burst out of him when the game ended. He had he had stayed so composed for so long, and then after the last strikeout, he kind of lets out this primal scream, and he throws his glove in the air, and he starts hugging the guys. It was like it all released there at one point altogether. What do you – so another underrated element of what he did today is, like, what do you make of the importance of no one having to pitch today? Because they were going to have a day off regardless – um, it's not like Josh Mallett's Brandon. I mean, Brandon Johnson threw in that blowout on Monday just because I think Mike needed him to throw. It's not like any of their main guys have been taxed at any point. Do you put any significance on them? none of them having to throw today any high-stress innings? Like, it doesn't seem like nothing. doesn't seem as big as it would be if it were like a super regional or something like that. But for a team that's going to have to – Johnny Holstaff's probably not the right word, but kind of address the third starter elephant in the room with one of the candidates down. I don't think you can go back to John Gaddis for a start. Maybe you do it on Sunday if you go to Elliott on Saturday, but I say very seriously doubt it. So for a team that's going to have to find another third starter and clearly not going to get that kind of length, what significance do you put on that? I think the last two days are imperative for Ole Miss from that context given that they lost on Wednesday night. You know, because you there's a world – I told Neil this when I was on hand-raised, guys. There was a world where if you lose on Wednesday in a high-scoring game and you got nothing out of Gaddis and it didn't look good, you're going to this championship series with a psyche that's pretty broken. That, hey, we can't go Delusia and Elliott and figure it out and that's our way to win and that's all messed up. But what's happened here is whether you throw Elliott on Saturday or Sunday, I expect he'll throw Saturday, but he could throw Sunday just as easy if he needs the extra day because you just got to win his start no matter what day that is. Um, there's some extra, you know, there's some extra positivity here. John Geddes was really good. Geddes gives up two runs in five innings. He was exceptional. Jack Washburn was the best he's been at any point in an Ole Miss uniform on Wednesday night. That was pretty dynamic. Jack Doherty was excellent. So, when you are able to put those things together, well, suddenly Ole Miss goes into it and says, hey, we've got a great opportunity here. Those guys were good. We're not sunk just because it can't be Delusia and Elliott and then figure it out, whoever Ole Miss throws. And, yeah, when Johnson doesn't have to pitch, when Mallett doesn't have to pitch, when you didn't have to do some hero effort and go back to Doherty or anything like that, I mean, I know that they've been maligned, but you've got Derek Diamond and Drew McDaniel who haven't pitched, at least have some stuff and get you through the order one time. Ole Miss is set up as well as possible physically and mentally, given that it can't be the perfect scenario there to get back to Dylan Delusia on Monday. Look, if there's a Monday game, I think Delusia starts it because he's not as good out of the pen. And even if you just forget three to four innings from him, I think you have to start him to do that. Maybe that's when you go to Gaddis. I don't know how Mike's going to arrange this whole bullpen deal. Look, it's it's not ideal, but I don't have them as 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 screwed up as I did going into Wednesday when I thought, hey, if they lose this, they're they're kind of in deep crap. Right, I was in the same boat as you were, and the way it's played out, and part of that is who they have and have not had to use from a pitching standpoint, and the fact that Gaddis kind of passed the test. Who I'm kind of with you on that. I wasn't going to go as far to say it just because what he did today was uh, you know kind of superhuman, and it, I don't want to have egg on my face when he goes 110 more pitches and throws eight innings. How do you manage the pitching if you are Mike Bianco? Um, hopefully you start with pants that fit, but beyond that, what do you do pitching-wise? I need complete 
trust that Hunter Elliott's going to tell me the truth. I don't need the really competitive answer. I need, hey, do you need an extra day? Because if you need an extra day, Sunday's fine. There's nothing wrong with Sunday. We're good with you throwing game two. You're either going to keep us alive or you're going to win this national title for us one way or the other. So if that's what you need, great. Now, if the extra day doesn't matter and he's completely 100%, throw him on Saturday. You throw your best guy first if he's ready. But you need Hunter to be mature. You need him to give you an honest answer, a truthful answer, and then you sort of piece it from there. I, I don't know. I mean, I was talking and kind of thinking about this. It's possible it's Washburn. It's possible it's Derek Diamond, frankly. Now, if you're doing that, you better have the right hook. But I think either one of those are possibilities for game one, and then I think you are, you're, you're piecing Elliott together from some semblance of his game. And then, you know, in a perfect world, it's probably Delusia Gaddis in the, in the last one. Ever since Horton's become a starter, he had a rough outing at Texas Tech, and he's been pretty good over the last month or so. And, again, I haven't done as much as I would like to on it yet. But do you, does that factor into it all with regards to Elliott? Because you know what you're going to kind of get. Jake Bennett's really good. Horton has been good in the postseason, but I think he's kind of the lesser of the two in terms of potency. Do you factor that in at all? And I guess it's all kind of a mix. It right? can go both ways. I mean, here's the deal. I, I can make the argument that, oh, well, I need Elliott to beat Bennett and let's go win this thing two to one. Or if you somehow beat or I can, Yeah. Yeah, or I can go, hey, let's make sure we beat Horton and Elliott will get that one and let's just try to find one of the other two. You right. know what I mean? So, I mean, that that's a mindset where I can play, you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. I just don't know which way to take that. I mean, my – my tendency would be to try to get the effort against Bennett and then make sure I beat Horton. But that's just my own personal logic. I, I think either way makes sense. There's, there's no wrong answer there. I think either one I can easily, you know, manufacture is the correct answer. Really, last thing before I let you go, Neil asked me what this meant for the program, and I had no good answer. Because um, one, the story's still being, being written a little bit, but just – Playing for a national title, I kind of described it as just vindication for the program Bianco's built. There just haven't been a ton of postseason results despite having championship quality teams. What do you make of win, lose, or draw just being on this stage? And I, I don't mean that to sound like, okay, whatever happens, they're here and it's a success. I just mean before you know we see what plays out, what does this mean for this program? You hope that it removes all scar tissue. The program, no matter what, every year was dealing with something. Yeah. Whether it's Mike Bianco's lack of Omaha appearances or, hey, they blew to Virginia or they had this chance to win the national title in 05, had they just gotten to Texas. I mean, look, they need two more wins. I mean, two more wins catapults you into a different situation than I know how to explain. I mean, there aren't words for what two more wins will do for this program. But even if you lose to Oklahoma, you've changed. You're just an elite program now. You're just a program that gets to Omaha and wins. There's no more of, hey, they haven't won a road regional. They haven't done this. and They haven't done this. And – you know, we, I wrote about it. You and I talked about it on the podcast. They've been exercising demons for weeks now. You knocked off Miami to get here. You knocked off Arizona to get here. Now you've hit the real evil empire with Arkansas to get here. You did all these things. You won the games you were supposed to win against Southern Miss and Auburn. You know what I mean? I mean, every step along the way, it was something else of, hey, that used to be an Achilles heel or that was something they couldn't get over the hump. And by God, now they can. So the hope is that Mike relaxes, he chills out, and the rest of his career, however long that is, whether it's a year or ten years, he can let all that go. He can just be a baseball coach at a school that has a chance to get to Omaha and a chance to win the national title. They can rebuild the roster. You know, you hope the fans calm down and go, hey, we're good, we're cool, it's all right. You know, because even on Wednesday, they had to get cleansed a little bit. Late in the game, almost fans kind of got tight. There weren't a lot of pepping the team up. It was, oh, crap, look what's happening. We're about to lose to Arkansas. And then today they got to exhale. They get to breathe it out a little bit. So 
No, I think today was huge to to hopefully do kind of the the last bit of of surgery, if you will, and get that scar tissue out of there, and and in some ways change the entire mental dynamic of the Ole Miss program. I won't hold you to a prediction per se, but what do you think happens? I think it goes three games. I think Hunter Elliott wins his game. I think they struggle in the other game, and I think we're uh, I think we're playing nine innings for a national title. You know, Oklahoma's good. They're as hot as Ole Miss is. They went into a pretty tough. Blacksburg in the atmosphere and beat Virginia Tech in the in the super regional. They walked through the Big Twelve late in the tournament. They're they're good and they're set up better. But it's not like this team where it's two aces that just aren't hittable. I mean, you are while they should have hosted, you're still playing a two seed. You're not playing a top three national seed where there's all this talent all over the field and all these different things. I mean, you know, I'm sure most people are going to give Oklahoma a slight edge, but you know, almost running ran the gauntlet. It ended up being the tougher bracket. You ran through some SEC West teams. You're battle-tested in, you know, Alex Box and Fayetteville and all those different things. So, Ole Miss isn't going to lie down. I mean, they are, they're a team that feels like they're on a bit of a storybook run right now, and that's that's pretty powerful. I think that matters. So, they're not going to go quietly. I, I But I do – I think you're looking at three games. I, I think it's really hard to close out a championship series in two. And I think that, you know, look, you're going to need one more hero, whether it's Delusha whether it's something else going on. I think Ole Miss has a real chance to win a national title, but they're going to have to have one player sort of elevate to get that done on Sunday or Monday. Have you thought about the scene yet? I'm headed up there this weekend, and I feel like I might be indicative of just like um, – I don't even know how to describe this. I would say if I'm swinging this trip, uh, given that everything I've got kind of in limbo right now that we've talked about, we won't go into that too much, nothing major. But, like, if I'm somehow swinging two days out of this in the midst of all this – I feel like people are selling kidneys and stuff to get up there just to watch it unfold. That's the main reason I went there. I haven't been to an Ole Miss baseball game in like two years almost. I just kind of want to see what happens and 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 be there for it. My father, lifetime Ole Miss fan, booked a uh, booked an anniversary trip to Italy, and they took off to Italy today. So that man's oh. going to be trying to find a pub in Florence that sells him Coors Light at nine o'clock in the morning to watch that unfold. I don't really envy him there. Um, good luck to him on that. But if you thought about what the scene's going to be like, I mean, it, it's going to be the entire freaking yes. town is headed up, is what is happening right now. I'm getting I'm just crowd. I mean, there's no OU contingent. There'll be a tiny. No box. one, no one really knows what I do. I'll get texts going, "Hey, do you have five tickets?" It's like, where the hell am I getting five tickets for this? No, I don't have five tickets. Uh, no, it, it's people are flying out in the morning. They're driving. They're looking for places to stay. They're bunking in rooms. It. It was already kind of a zoo the last few days against Arkansas, but that's nothing compared to what is coming this weekend. I mean, I was I was talking to Ben a minute ago, and we've got a dinner reservation tomorrow night. And I said that entire area where we have dinner is going to be crawling with nothing but Ole Miss fans. I mean, Oklahoma's traveled fine, and Oklahoma will bring more people in for the championship series, obviously. But it would not shock me if we're talking about a 70-30 split for the title series. Ole Miss is, is about to overwhelm this place. Tickets jumped up 100 bucks in like a couple hours, but um, everybody reach out to Chase. He has the promo code that will get you discounts and tickets anywhere you need, as he just said. I appreciate the time. Check out the coverage, rebelgrove.com. Great work so far. Um, I guess I'll see you at some point. I don't know. At the yeah. worst case, I'll just wave and maybe lob a beer your way or something. But um, I'll see you when I get up there. And uh, stay safe there with that maniac bend in the background. Sounds good. Appreciate it, bud. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I really appreciate you making us a part of your day. This has been one hell of a lot of fun to do throughout the course of the season. 
Um, I've enjoyed interacting with you guys along the way. And so thank you very much for listening. This uh, means a lot for sure. Um, if maybe you're listening to this on the way to Omaha. I'm headed that way, like I said at the top of the show. Um, look around. Look behind you. I could be on the flight next to you. Is that you up there? Do you see me waving? Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so I'll be in Omaha um, if I uh, run into you, any fine folks, and are in position to uh, snag a drink. We can definitely do that. So y'all have a great, safe travels wherever you're watching the game. Enjoy your weekend. Colin and I will record. I don't know what that's going to look like, honestly. We're both at the game. I want him to enjoy it. I do pay for him to do this podcast, but I don't pay him enough to strip him away from his family to come hop on a mic for an hour. So we will do probably a series wrap-up podcast, probably nothing in between. Maybe I snag him and Chase if the time comes. I'm bringing my recording equipment in case I am going to write. But that's going to be a very fluid situation because uh, we are going. I do want to enjoy it myself. I'm still in kind of the phase where um, I'm still kind of new to enjoying baseball games and sporting events where I don't have to work. So I'm looking forward to thoroughly enjoying that. We'll have something for sure for you at the reaction. But in between, that will be a play it by ear. Y'all have a great weekend.